Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Of my book, Reading Behind Bars, Life, Literature, and Law. I can't even get the subtitle of my own book right, y'all. And welcome to episode 337 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello. If you listened to last week's Thursday episode, you know that I had some de- technical difficulties while recording um, an episode. That would be this episode. <laughs> um, when I tried to record it last week, see, so it it turns out that if you're going to record an episode, it's, it's really helpful to actually hit the record button. So that's what happened. Um... I forgot to hit the record button, and so spent half an hour talking to myself only to discover I wasn't recording. Fun times. Fun times. So, today, I'm here with this episode that we're going to do, and I'm recording. I'm actually watching a record, just to be sure. All right, so, housekeeping stuff out of the way first. If you want to get a hold of us, you can... Go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. You can get all of our social links on there. We are on Instagram and Twitter, at ProBookNerds. You can email us, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. If you listened to last week's episode again, you got a bit of a spoiler alert about what this episode is about. Um, a, a listener, Nikki, sort of give you context. A listener, Nikki, reached out to us on Instagram. Um... And wanted, Nikki was listening to our friend Mallory and Bria's podcast, Reading Glasses. And on that podcast, um, Mallory talked about how she was reading an advanced copy of my memoir. It is called Reading Behind Bars, uh, Literature, Law, and Life as a Prison Librarian. And so Mallory, um, reading an advanced copy and talking about it on Reading Glasses podcast. And Nikki wanted to know why I don't talk about it on my own podcast. Um, so that's because I'm terrible about self-promotion. That's just the long and short of it. I am terrible about self-promotion, as many of my uh, friends know. So, um, but here we are. I'm going to talk about it. But because I'm terrible about self-promotion, I had to kind of come up with a good way to talk about it. That wouldn't make me feel super awkward. So uh, along with talking about my book, I'm actually also going to talk about other books that have prison as a setting. I have fiction books, nonfiction books, and then books written by um, prisoners while they were incarcerated. So we're just going to go ahead and go with my book right off the bat so I can get it over with and then move on. Okay, so. If you've been listening to this podcast, I've mentioned it before. It has come up in conversation. I used to work at a, as a prison librarian. I was the um, sole librarian at, a, at an all-male minimum security facility way out on the west side of Cleveland. It was my first job right out of grad school, um, and I was there for a little less than two years, mostly because I just 
it's a really, really difficult job and um, mentally and emotionally. And I, it's, it's a really, really difficult job. And, um, but I've written a memoir about my experiences, um, working as a, as a prison librarian. I was the only librarian there, which meant I had to do everything. And when I was in the library at the prison, I was there without any guards. It was just me and, um, the men. We had 700 inmates at our prison. Um, the library held about, I don't know, 50 of them at any one time. And so every day I would just go hang out in the library, um, with the men. My job was to help them find books, recreational books, educational books, uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. I've worked in libraries for a really long time. Um, I started in high school. So I've been in the library sphere at this point for almost 20 years. And the prison library really wasn't that much different from every other library I've worked in, um, which is sort of why I wanted to write the book, because I think people have this, you know, unless you've been inside a prison, which very few people have, um, either voluntarily or because they have to, you know, there's these, mystique's not quite the right word, but you know, um, not a lot of people know what it's like inside. And I worked at minimum security. It was an open camp. The inmates, you know, the men could just walk around, um, wherever they wanted to go within, I mean, within reason, but they could come to the library. They could leave. They could go back to the dorm rooms. They could come to the library. They could go to the rec center. They could, you know, in the summer they played baseball. Um, and the library was the one place where there were no guards. There were no guards in the library. It was just me and the men. And it was the one place where, and I was told this, they felt like they weren't incarcerated. Um, there were no, like I said, no guards there. It was a library. They could come and get newspapers from their hometown. They could read magazines. They could read books. They could hang out with their friends. And so in that way, it really wasn't that much different from all of the other libraries I've worked in over the years, which is a lot. So yeah. Um, so the book is called Reading Behind Bars. It comes out July 2nd. Obviously, I'm going to tell you to go read it. Um, you know, get it from your library, buy it, whatever. If you're going to be at BEA or ALA Annual, my publisher Skyhorse will have advanced copies available. So if you are one of our library friends, or if you're a reader who's going to be at you know, book expo, go check out the Skyhorse booth. Um, and you can get a copy of it, an advanced copy. Um, terrible self-promotion, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. If you go to my website, uh, jillgrunenwald.com, um, I will make sure it is in the, the show notes because my last name is kind of tricky. I do have a sneak peek available. You can go read, um, the, the first uh, nine pages of the book right now if you go to my website, jillgrunewald.com. Again, that will be <laughs> in the show notes. So you don't have to try and remember that or write it down. In the show notes, jillgrunewald.com, there is a sneak peek available and you can start um, reading the first the first few pages of the book, reading behind bars right now. And yeah. So there you go. I talked about my book. There are some fun stories in there, like prison tattoos and that time a bat got in the library and um, all about segregation, a.k.a. the whole, and um, what kind of books inmates wanted to read and just, yeah, 
it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I am sure, you know, we will have planned an episode where Adam interviews me about the book that will be coming in July, but there you go. Okay. Moving on now. Books set in prisons or have scenes in prison, something related to prison books. I'm going to start with a really obvious one, which is Orange is the New Black by Piper Kerman. This is, of course, the inspiration for the huge Netflix TV show, which I believe is is having its final season this year. Um, Piper spent time in prison on drug charges, and she wrote a memoir all about her experiences. Um, I don't need to talk too much about that one because it's pretty much under the cultural zeitgeist by now, and it's it's a it's a known thing. What you may not know though is that um, the real life Alex Voss wrote her own memoir. Her name is Cleary Walters, and her book is called Out of Orange. And in it, she, you know, shows her side of things. This is the thing about memoir writing. Um, You know, it's the writer's own memories, the writer's own narrative about what happened. And sometimes people can have differing views and differing narratives on the the exact same situation. And so uh, Cleary has... um, decided to write her own memoir about life um, as an international uh, drug, you know, criminal, um, and prison, and Piper, and all of that stuff. Um, So, you know, reading those is, reading the two of them, Orange is the New Black and then Out of Orange is, is a really interesting thought experiment in how different people's, um, uh, how different people's perspectives, um, changes how they view the same story and same real life events. Next up, I have Shakespeare Saved My Life by Laura Bates. So Laura Bates, um, is a Shakespeare professor and prison volunteer and, she thought she had seen it all. You know, when you go um, at a at a prison, you see a lot of things you would never would have expected that you would ever see. And she thought she had seen everything. And then she decided to go teach Shakespeare um, in a supermax solitary confinement institution. So I worked at an, a minimum security, which is way down on the um, security hierarchy, right? Um and Laura worked at a Supermax solitary, which is way up at the like top of the hierarchy in terms of security facilities. You can't see it, but I'm making like big gestures with my hands up and down. <laughs> um, so she went to go teach Shakespeare at Supermax. And in there, she met an, uh, a man named Larry, who was a convicted murderer. And he had attempted to escape prison several times. Um, and Laura discovered that he's actually really, really smart. And, you know, while teaching Shakespeare, um, he's trying to break out of the prison, like another escape attempt while Laura is trying to get her Shakespeare program started. And, uh, so it's, you know, the, the story of these two people who, um, wouldn't really meet under normal circumstances and and here they are together. And my last nonfiction book 
is called American Prison by Shane Bauer. So Shane is an investigative journalist. He's an award-winning investigative journalist. And in uh, 2014, he took a job as a uh, correctional officer at a private prison in Louisiana. He used his real name. There was, like, whatever background check did not pull up the fact that he was an investigative journalist. And so he went inside and um, wrote an expose about his experience working as a as an officer at a um, at a private prison, and he won a national magazine award for it, and it became the most the most read um, feature story in the history of the magazine Mother Jones. So American Prison um, is his attempt to expand on that story and that experience, you know, because there's only so much you can put into it a long-form journalism piece. And more than just talking about his experiences um, as a prison guard, he also kind of goes into the history of how prisons got started. He discusses um, mass incarceration. He discusses the for-profit prison um, industry, which is a whole subject all on its own. Um, And he just, you know, he goes all in literally and figuratively in in discussing what it's like inside um, as an employee and how um, the the effects it can personally take on you, the toll that it can take on you when you're exposed um, to to life in, inside a prison. So that's American Prison by Shane Bauer. All right. Next, I have a couple of fiction books that feature prison as a setting. The first one is The Mars Room by Rachel Kushner. This came out a couple of years ago and um, was huge. Everyone was talking about it. So it's 2003 and Romy Hall, named after a German actress, is at the start of two consecutive life sentences at Stanville Women's Correctional Facility deep in California's Central Valley. Outside is the world from which she has been severed, her young son Jackson and the San Francisco of her youth. Inside is the new reality, thousands of women hustling for the bare essentials needed to survive, the bluffing and pageantry and casual acts of violence by guards and prisoners alike, and the deadpan absurdities of institutional living portrayed with great humor and precision. So, um, yeah, again, this came out a couple years ago, It last year maybe. Um, it's a novel, it's gotten really good press and reviews, and I found out just a couple weeks ago that... Um, Nope, earlier this week, that uh, Rachel Kushner and um, Piper Kerman, or is a New Black, um, are going to be in Cleveland at an event as part of Cuyahoga County um, Public Library, their, their writer series. So that's going to be a really good, interesting conversation. Next up, Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. This is a historical fiction about a real um, woman from Canadian history. She's 19th century and uh, Grace is a servant girl. She's 16 and she was convicted for her part in the vicious murders of her employer and his mistress. Some believe Grace is innocent. Others think her evil or insane. Grace herself claims to have had no knowledge of the events that um, happened and the murders. And so, and to this day, it's, it's, you know, it's not really known either way about whether or not um, she did it or didn't. 
doesn't remember, was faking it, all that stuff. So Margaret Atwood um, takes Grace's story and writes a really compelling novel um, that kind of tries to go inside and, and figure out um, a little bit uh, about what was happening to Grace and um, happening inside her mind. So that's Alias Grace. Okay, let's see. I have next up Change of Heart by Jody Pico. Oh, Jody. You know, we love Jody. So when I first started working at the prison, one of the first things I did shortly after was I started watching a lot of movies and television shows and read books, uh, fiction and nonfiction set in prison or with, again, prison as, as a setting. Um, includes Oz. There's a lot of Oz watching. Um, so one of those books was um, Change of Heart by Jody Pico. So one moment, June Nealon was happy, happily looking forward to years full of laughter and adventure with her family. And the next, she was staring into a future that was as empty as her heart. Now her life is a waiting game, waiting for time to heal her wounds and waiting for justice. In short, waiting for a miracle to happen. For Shay Bourne, life holds no more surprises. The world has given him nothing and he has nothing to offer the world. In a heartbeat, though, something cha- happens that changes everything for him. Now he has one last chance for salvation, and it lies with June's 11-year-old daughter, Claire. But between Shane and Claire stretches an ocean of bitter regrets, past crimes, and the rage of a mother who has lost her child. So, Jody, in true Jody Pico fashion, asks some really big questions like, would you give up your vengeance against someone you hate if it meant saving someone you love? Or, you know, would you want your dreams to come true if it meant granting your enemy's dying wish? Um... Good old Jody, Jody Pico, at it again with Change of Heart. Next up, I have Affinity by Sarah Waters. So, an upper class woman recovering from a suicide attempt, Margaret Pryor has begun visiting the woman's ward of Millbank Prison, Victoria, London's grimiest jail, as part of her rehabilitative charity work. Among Millbank's murders and common thieves, Margaret finds herself increasingly fascinated by an apparently innocent inmate, the enigmatic spiritualist Selena Dawes. Selena was imprisoned after a seance she was conducting went horribly awry, leaving an elderly matron dead and a young woman deeply disturbed. Although initially skeptical of Selena's gifts, Margaret is soon drawn into a twilight world of ghosts and shadows, unruly spirits, and unseemly passions. Until she is at last driven to concoct a desperate plot to secure Selena's freedom and her own. There you go. Sounds good, right? Seances, Victoria, London, prisons, Victoria, London, prisons. What's not to love about this? That's Affinity by Sarah Waters. And finally, y'all knew this was coming, right? If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know I love me some Stephen King. So I can't not talk about The Green Mile and Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. I have loved Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption and the movie adaptation Shawshank Redemption since I was in like a teenager and talk for the first time, right? I mean, I was in high school when it came out, 94. I was 13. I probably saw it shortly thereafter. Um, and I was already reading Stephen King by that point, I think. So, uh, Shawshank Redemption, fun fact, filmed in Ohio, not too far from here. I mean, well, it's like an hour, but, um, it's between Cleveland, where we are located, and Columbus, down in Mansfield, Ohio. There's this gorgeous, um, Prison, it's still standing there. Um, prison that was used as the setting 
uh, for filming location for the Shawshank Redemption. We will not talk about what they what they did and didn't film at during the TV show for Casterly Rock. We're just not going to do that. Okay. Mansfield Reformatory is Shawshank. So, of course, yeah, Shawshank Redemption um, is based on the short story Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption from different seasons by Stephen King. He also wrote Green Mile, which is set on death row. Um, and is a really wonderful, wonderful book. Um, the movie adaptation is also fantastic. Um, and again, asks, you know, questions about innocence and guilt and what we think we know and what we really know. And, um, it's so good. It was published, um, in pieces, uh, serial. It was a serial novel. Can't, I actually remember that serial. So it came out in short little novellas um, of chapters and, and put together is this really big book that you can now buy it as a single volume. Um, but that's the green mile by Stephen King. Next up, we have books written by inmates while they were incarcerated. And in some instances still are incarcerated. So probably the one that um, is, at this point, possibly you've heard of, because it came out, um, again, within the last year and got a lot of press and buzz just because of the circumstances, is Cherry by Nico Walker. So it's 2003, and as a college freshman in Cleveland, our narrator's adrift until he meets Emily. The two of them experience an instant life-changing connection. But when he almost loses her, he chooses to make an undelible statement. He joins the army. The outcome will not be good for either of them. As a medic in Iraq, he is unprepared for the realities that await him. He and his fellow soldiers huff computer duster, abuse painkillers, and watch porn. Many of them die. When he comes home, his PTSD is profound. As the opioid crisis sweeps through the Midwest, it drags both him and Emily along with it. As their addictions worsen, and with their money drying up, he stumbles onto what seems like the only possible solution, robbing banks. So... Nico Walker wrote Cherry on a typewriter in a federal prison in Kentucky, where he is serving 11 years for bank robbery. So a lot of this novel is pulled from his own experiences, including the fact that after returning to Cleveland from a tour as an army medic in Iraq, Walker developed a heroin addiction that turned him into um, a criminal. So this book, Cherry, um, Again, just the fact that it was written by him while he uh, was it is currently incarcerated. Um, it got a lot of news. There was this really great piece, I think it was on LitHub, around the time the book was coming out, about the cover. Um, because when it comes to uh, covers for books, it, it goes through an approval process. And, you know, the author... It doesn't always have final say, but they have input on the cover of the book. And Nico um, had a lot of opinions about the cover of the book. And it's not so easy, though. Like, my editor just, like, emails me something that I can look at, and I can email her right back five minutes later with comments or suggestions or approval, whatever. Um, it's not so easy for that with, with you know, when your writer is is behind bars. Uh, so going through the approval process um, of the cover, it's, it's a really interesting story. Again, it's on LitHub. I'll try and find it and see if I can um, 
put it in the show notes. So that's Cherry by Nico Walker. Then we have Our Lady of the Flowers by Jean uh, Gannett. So this was a debut novel, and it's often considered to be his masterpiece, and it was written entirely in the solitude of a prison cell. Like Cherry, it is semi-autobiographical. Um, in this case, it's an account of one man's journey through Paris. And um, I don't know how much I can actually talk about this book because it gets super graphic. Um, <laughs> it get it gets sexually graphic. And uh, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre um, <laughs> dubbed it the epic of masturbation. So there you go. And apparently, allegedly, that's why the author wrote it was so he had something in prison for that those moments, you know. Okay. So, um, he, he wrote it on sheets of brown paper, which the, uh, prison authorities provided to prisoners, um, with the intention that they would make bags of it, but he used it as his writing, um, paper. And it was discovered and burned. Um, and he just wrote it all again. And it was his second version that survived, and he took it with him when he left the prison. It was largely completed in the 1940s, and then it was published anonymously at the end of 1943, although only about 30 copies of the first edition were bound in that year. Um, it circulated in private sales and under the counter and he, uh, until it was sort of finally the truth came out about who wrote it and the circumstances and all that stuff. So that is Our Lady of the Flowers. So my next one is Chanteron by Gregory David Roberts, which is about a convicted Australian bank robber and heroin addict who escaped from um, Pentridge prison and, and flees to India. And again, like the others, it's, it's somewhat autobiographical. So in 1978, Roberts was sentenced to a 19-year imprisonment in Australia after being convicted of a series of armed robberies of building society branches, credit unions, and shops. In 1980, he escaped from Victoria's Pentridge prison in broad daylight, thereby becoming one of Australia's most wanted men for the next 10 years. In 1990, Roberts was captured in Frankfurt after being caught smuggling heroin into the country. He was extradited to Australia and, and served um, six more years in prison, two of which were spent in solitary confinement. Here's where things get a little tricky. Because according to Gregory David Roberts, he escaped prison again during that time, but he relented and smuggled himself back in to, you know, serve the rest of his sentence. I have a lot of questions about that, right? <laughs> right? Like, I, I have questions about smuggling yourself back into prison. I have questions. Um... <laughs> Just whatever. Okay, so um, he, so during the second stay in uh, the prison that Roberts began to write Shantaram, um, the man the manuscript was destroyed by the prison guards twice. Twice it was destroyed, and and he just kept writing it, and so he wrote it three times, and it was his third time that um, this third version that got out <laughs> and uh, and was published. So there you go. Those are some of my uh, books, recommendations for books set um, in prison or with prison as a setting or written by men while they were incarcerated. Um, so there we go. 
that's today's episode. Again, my book, Reading Behind Bars, comes out July 2nd, Skyhorse. You can go to my website, jillgrinwall.com, for a sneak peek of the book. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's everything. So, it's the end. Okay, so I'm just going to keep talking because it's the end when I'm done. But, um, you, <sighs> we have one episode left of Game of Thrones. It's the season f- series. Series finale. Series finale is this Sunday. I, I have a lot of feelings about this. I don't, I, like, what am I going to do Sunday nights? What am I going to do? We don't know if George R. R. Martin is ever going to finish the books. I don't think he is. I'm okay with that, though. But, so, Adam and I are going to be talking about Game of Thrones, you know, next week. Be prepared. But, um, there's only one episode left. I'm having a lot of feelings. I'm having a lot of feelings about this. Okay. So that's everything. Thanks for listening. And um, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of Prison-Centered Books on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.